This morning we'll be expanding the uh, contemplation of mindfulness or sati to the third foundation of mindfulness as contained in the Satipatthana Sutta. This third foundation follows on from the first foundation of body and breath and all the aspects of body and the contemplation of Vedana the feeling tones pleasant, unpleasant and neutral and begins to expand the field of sati or remembering or mindfulness as it's sometimes translated to the to the mind itself. And sometimes you will see that expressed as thoughts and emotions. So I'd like, like to talk just a little bit about thoughts because they seem to be so pervasive and so important to the direction of our lives. and to consider (coughs) how to work with thoughts and then how to work with emotions. And I'd like to talk about how to work with thoughts and perhaps give you more of a guidance in the uh, emotions uh, part of the practice. So, Thoughts and emotions are probably the most predominant, far-reaching aspects of our lives that really influence the direction of our lives, conditions, happiness, and suffering. And, of course, this plays out not just in our practice, but also in our lives. So to have a full understanding of how to work with them is, of course, key. And we can look at thoughts in, uh, according to two different kinds of principles and, and the teachings, which are uh, in all of the different traditions, the teachings of the relative and absolute truths and Uh, Sometimes uh, we describe it as karma and emptiness or content and process. And the Buddha, in one of his discourses, talked about uh, two kinds of thoughts. Talked about uh, thoughts that are wholesome and thoughts that are wholesome or skillful and thoughts that are unwholesome or unskillful. And he really gave two different ways of working with each kind of thought. 
So he talked about working with the skillful, with the, I'm sorry, with the unskillful. That when he noticed that he had a thought that was based on greed, hatred, or delusion, he would abandon it, recognize its its, um, potential for destructiveness or for difficulty and work to simply abandon it. But then when there was uh, the second kind of thought, which is the, uh, a thought of that was skillful or wholesome, that he would work with it by simply seeing that it was present. And in a way, uh, that instruction is kind of surprising because sometimes we think that mindfulness means that we should grab on to whatever is there and kind of wrestle it to the ground and make sure that uh, either if it's a thought that it disappears completely or that we chew it over and make sure we understand it and we know it or we judge it and say it shouldn't be there. And sometimes as meditators, we've heard that meditation means that there's no thought in the mind, that we should make it disappear completely. So it's kind of surprising when we actually look at the Buddha's words that he was recommending a different way of working with thought. And if we look at it as content and process, what we're recognizing is that the Buddha is saying that there are two different ways of working with content and process. That if we see that it's unskillful, then we understand the content, we know what the content is, we recognize the potential of that unskillful or unwholesome thought to um, create havoc or mischief. And we work to see that that kind of thought um, does not recur. Because the, in another sutta, he, he uh, essentially um, says what the neuroscientists have, 2,600 years later, have confirmed, that wherever we put the mind, that's where it will incline. So the neural pathways are built by the very thoughts in the mind. So that if we have a thought that we would rather not direct our, the, the trajectory of our lives towards, that we work to let that go, to not strengthen it, to not build a neural pathway or dig the neural pathway deeper. And that if there's a skillful, helpful thought or wholesome thought, that we work to understand it, to see it, to know it's there, and to um, emphasize that. Those are, that's working with thoughts that are particularly uh, pervasive in our minds. There's the other kind of thought that simply arises and passes away. And we're, we're directed to 
simply notice their arising, notice their passing, and notice the process. So we can notice the content or we can notice the process. And that's a that's a um, an interesting process of working with thoughts is actually knowing, seeing thought simply as a phenomenon that's arising and passing in the mind. So that we see the thought appear and we see it it may abide for a while and then disappear. And can that be simply known and seen? And there's no judgment of it, there's no, whether it's a quickly arising and passing thought, or it's a thought that adheres and and perseveres, to simply know its presence, to see its trajectory in the mind, and to notice its its cessation. So those are the two different ways of working with the thoughts. Just like all of the other practices, this is a practice. And so our practice, as we know, is a process. But what is important, and so so our skill level of working with these thoughts and emotions, uh, will grow just like any other kind of practice, whether it's a physical practice or or a spiritual practice we understand that as we practice more and more and more the skill level by just by virtue of the repetition and by virtue of the determination and the commitment that the skill level will grow and at first it may feel sometimes and i know that we're mostly uh, quite uh, experienced meditators here so perhaps you f- you know that your skill level has increased and sharpened over over time. And yet sometimes it's helpful to just remember what it is we are doing. I know for me sometimes I the beginning of a retreat I realize I've completely forgotten what to do. It's kind of shocking. Right? You sit down, or even in the middle of a retreat, I just sit down and say, what am I supposed to be doing? I forget. So it's helpful to really be very precise and, and clear, especially in working with thoughts and emotions, because they can become, be so tricky. And, and to understand the different ways and the different uh, strategies that we have for the different kinds of thoughts. So what I'd like to do is to um, leave the, the consideration of thoughts there and to guide you in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a simple practice on awareness of emotions.
So begin by noticing your posture. See if there are parts of the body that are not at ease. There may be some tightness or tension. And see if, without working too hard at it, you can direct your attention to that, to those places, and see if there's a holding that can be let go and released. Posture be dignified, open, without tightness. And just notice what sensations there may be in the body. Is it warm? Is it cool? Is it hot? Cold? How is the connection of the buttocks to the seat? Can you feel the hardness or softness of the seat and whatever vibration is caused by that connection? Notice sounds as they appear. And as they disappear. Feel each breath carefully. If it's helpful, using a label of in and out, or rising and falling. If that is helpful for you. And observe what feeling tone is in the mind. Is the mind calm? 
Is it peaceful? Is it bored? Is there happiness? Sadness? Is it neutral? Does the mind feel equanimous? Or a little off balance? See if just as you are able to be with the breath or with sensations, if you can open to and recognize the emotional background of the mind. Be aware of predominant emotions as they arise, coming into the foreground of your experience, perhaps associated with memories or plans. You might notice anticipation, anxiety, 
excitement. Or a common emotion that might arise in meditation is boredom. When being with breaths for some time, there may be a lack of interest or engagement. This boredom should be noted as another arising state, not identifying with it or taking it as I, or taking it to be self. Just like all of the other emotions coming and going, we see them as arisings and passing away. state of boredom can arise and pass away in the same way, especially if we renew our interest or our engagement. Notice emotions arising. They sometimes frequently arise around bodily pain. Might feel impatient or irritated or aversive. be aware of these emotions that are arising around painful or even around pleasant experiences. Everything is included, not as self or as I, but as arising and passing phenomena. So we can notice feelings of delight, feelings of aversion, 
giving them in our practice equal weight. Becoming aware of the entire range of our emotional life. Perhaps at first we're noticing the obvious ones, really gross emotions. And as the practice settles in, we begin to notice the more subtle ones. Subtle emotions appearing and disappearing in the same way as the gross emotions. Through recognition, acceptance, and non-identification, we experience these feelings from a place of freedom. Recognition, acceptance, curiosity, and non-identification. We are continually knowing that awareness has the capacity to be with whatever is arising. And when we're challenged by being at the edge of what we're willing to be with, Our challenge is to open right there, right at that edge. Can we feel this emotion? Be with this sensation, opening in as relaxed a way as is possible so that we're not struggling but taking an interest in what is arising. Seeing the mind that's expansive, the mind that's contracted, and the emotions that come with that expansion and contraction.
Are there any questions? the other way around. It's with unskillful thought, you notice that it's unskillful. You notice that it would lead to no good, <laughs> essentially. And so you abandon it. You come back. You abandon that so that you're not strengthening it with, with skillful thought. So, so there is some uh, sati or mindfulness is there... Um, exercised as it's, it's like exercising a muscle that you notice that the thought is unskillful you notice that it would lead to harm or suffering and so you 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 let it go and you you come back but it's but it's not a kind of oh it's unskillful I'll, it's a it's a really knowing oh this is unskillful this would lead to no good so return letting it go and and watching it disappear and then coming back to the breath. So it's always a kind of gracious movement. It's not a kind of jerky movement of the mind. And then uh, with skillful thought, noticing it's arising, noticing it's passing away, but not having to, in some ways, not having to interfere, but just being aware that this thought is, is present. And, and the, um, the awareness of each doesn't include judgment. It includes discernment, but it doesn't include judgment of, oh, this is bad, I shouldn't be having this thought, this is terrible. I, it's, it's not that, it's just, the, it's, the, it's, it's a kind of wisdom, a kind of recognition that this is not going to lead to any, anything um, constructive. Is there such a thing as neutral thoughts that are neither skillful? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking, um, like maybe if it's neutral, then it's actually unskillful because it's not serving a wholesome purpose. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of so what would what would the example of a neutral thought be? It's ten o'clock. It, it, it's <laughs> yeah. ten o'clock. It's ten o'clock. Okay, so we can notice it's arising. Oh, noticing the time, and letting and letting it go. The, there's no there's no active intervention that's needed there. Or it may be oh it's ten o'clock. Oh I should be somewhere else. You know, that's a that's a that c- takes it out of the neutral. I was really struggling with the sleepiness, and for me, I mean, it's not a thought, and it almost, it feels organic, it's like, it's just there, and so I tried to see it as something that was not just organic, it was just natural, just there, but to try to be 
curious about it, but it's so difficult to not be overwhelmed by it and just want to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering what strategies um, I could use to, other than being curious about it. Uh, yeah. So, so interest is a really is a really good one because a lot of the time we we kind of nod off because we we're disengaged or we're not um, we're we're not interested in what's happening. So, can you become interested in the state of sleepiness? What's it like? You know. What happens in the mind? What happens in the body? What are the sensations that accompany it? Are there sensations that usually accompany it, or, or are they different every time? What's, uh, is, is there some thought that happens before? See, because if, if your mindfulness is refined, you're, un, you're beginning to see what causes what. Right? So there may be a particular thought, for instance, that triggers sleepiness because we don't want to deal with it. So, you know, the mind shuts down or it wants to go to sleep. So, so our mindfulness begins to show us those connections. We, we become wise in, in the ways of our mind and in the ways that we, the strategies that may not be so helpful or might not be so skillful that we use when states of mind are not the states of mind we want or that we think are helpful or that we think will you know do whatever it is we want to do so um, the the arousing of energy can come with the arousing of interest and the arousing of engagement and that careful so the instruction to be really careful about how you observe the breath for instance can arouse energy Right. If you're really paying attention to the in and out, or the rising and falling, we become engaged. And so the energy, the, we have to pull up our energy in order to do that. Right. If the sleepiness is beginning to overtake us, then we might want to stand up, do some standing meditation. Or, um, you know, the Buddha suggested that we go and wash our face with some water and he also suggested that if you know all of the techniques fail that we go to sleep because <laughs> we may be just lacking sleep Yeah, so. Mm-hmm, to re- or, or to remain open. Yeah, so things, you know, when we sit in, you know, in these long periods that we're sitting, um, material from our lives arise, arises. And um, so we sometimes because we're willing to be aware, to know what's coming up, what's arising, things that we may have repressed or, you know, put aside and said, no, you know, I'll deal with it later, 
start to assert themselves because they say, oh, thank God we finally, you know, are letting me show myself. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe they don't say God, maybe they say thank Buddha, but I don't know. Um, and so there, it, we may come to an edge you know, that, is th- that we haven't allowed ourselves to come to before. And I, you know, I'd say to be very gentle and kind and maybe touch into things a little bit so you can like, just put your big toe in the water. And if it gets too cold or too hot, you know, withdraw it, but be willing to come back in again and titrate into whatever the difficult or the edgy kind of experience is and not try to, like, take it all on, it, you know, all in one gulp, but to see what would it be like if I allowed myself to just feel a little bit of the sadness and where do I feel it in my body? We can really use the body very skillfully to support us in feeling things that we may not have wanted to touch before. And then if it starts to feel overwhelming, to come back to the breath or just come back to feeling the body sitting here. And then if it starts to assert itself again, to take a little bit. And we can, we can do it like that rather than you know, taking one big gulp and getting indigestion. But the but our our practice is to experience what we're experiencing without judgment, right? And so, in a way, we're given the permission to go into places that we may not have been willing to go before because we can let go of the judgment. And that helps to, um, to be able to touch material that may have been really difficult to touch before. So, um, as you go through the day, perhaps you want to just touch into uh, the difference between the content of thought and the process of thought. And to, to know that any thought arising is perfectly permissible, right? It's, a, it's the awareness of it rather than the judgment of it. And to notice when there is an unskillful thought and what happens if we let it go. And to notice when there is a skillful thought and to be aware of it and also to let that go but to be more interventionist with, this, with the thoughts that are unskillful and see, see how that is. Because I, because I think in, in a lot of ways, many times the way we hear the instructions is to, to not at all engage with the content of thought, but that's not what the Buddha taught. He really taught that our mindfulness included being engaged and interventionist with what is unskillful. Which, you know, when I first heard that teaching, I was a bit surprised because I'd heard the instructions for so long to just let them come and let them go, let them come and let them go. So you may want to see what that feels like today. And then to check in from time to time with what emotions are being felt and not just the emotions themselves, but how those manifest in the body. 
how do I know I'm sad? Maybe it's because there's a tightening of my belly or a constriction of the chest or tears in the eyes or something happening physically. We, if, we're, if we're aware, we can begin to really get the connection between the body and, and the mind and the emotions. So, happy hunting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.